I am coming to you from a small town in the south of France. And I am, I think it's about 18, 20 minutes drive from the town of Cannes, the home of one of the most famous film festivals in the world. Now, next weekend, Hollywood is going to be gathering here to soak up the champagne, the sunshine, and to promote and discuss movie deals. So this week, it's all about Hollywood public relations, the good, the bad, and what we can do to emulate them. We're looking at the Hollywood crisis PR, the big budget launch events and promotional stunts, and asking, as we always do, how can we do what they do as effectively as they do it, but with less budget and time? I'm Richard Midson, and for the past 25 years, I've been involved in the communications world. It's included being a duty radio news editor for one of the UK's biggest news organisations, the presenter of the Drive Time Show on London's only all-news radio station, a YouTuber who created a channel which gained 1.6 million views, and a public relations officer for the leader of the third largest group in the European Parliament. My career has been about finding new ways to do things that cost others thousands and require huge teams for them, and then replicate them with none of their resources. And this is a show that is all about that. I now talk on the topic and make this podcast too. It's all about punching way above your weight in modern PR. Right now, I am sat by a pool, looking out over a beautiful landscape as I look down towards the coast, and there's these pine trees sticking up amongst these big green forests, and it is absolutely beautiful and warm. So this is the Public Relations Podcast and Newsletter, and uh, this week, we are just outside Khan talking about Hollywood PR. Let's get started. Jerry Seinfeld, the US comedian, came to the 2007 Cannes Film Festival with something a little different in mind. He was there to promote his movie, but the press event was certainly a bit different. It all started, as you would expect, with a group of photographers clustered together. However, at one end of the area set out for this event, Jerry was being attached to a zip line. Dressed as this giant bright yellow and black bee, he then launched himself off a platform and zoomed over the waiting photographers with his legs flapping around like crazy. Now, this was just one of the many stunts, or PR moments, if you want to call it that, that have taken place at the Cannes Film Festival. Some of these stunts have worked like Jerry's, but some, I think, have been just plain tacky. Some have even ended in fights between stars. So what can we learn from the Hollywood Film Festival stunts and why did Jerry's work so well? Well, for starters, it was great for photos, wasn't it? Everything we do in the physical space always should be good for photos. It may be a challenge to get your CEO to put on a B outfit, but you still need to think, how can I make these photos eye-catching? I remember being at a sports event a few years ago where the team took a photo of the squad, but none of them were holding any sports equipment or dressed in any sports kit. They sent it to the press, and strangely enough, it wasn't used. Whether it's for social media or uh, the press, it's obvious you need photos, but they need to be good photos, don't they? Jerry Stunt also portrayed the brand's tone. It was funny. The movie was funny, and we need to do that too, remembering that people often forget what you say, but they remember the feeling. Maybe have a serious message, maybe fun. You know, at its simplest, this example I keep using of the friendly lawyer's firm could be a photo of a snap with the, um, the CEO laughing with senior citizens at a coffee morning. Or it could be for take your work, the take your dog to work day, which I'll be talking about a little bit later. A cute dog could be looking straight into the camera in your office, maybe even nuzzling up to the head of sales. There was also another element that attracted the photographers. Not just the fact that it was a good image of someone dressed as a bee flying along a zipline, 
But every photographer and everyone watching that video afterwards was wondering if something would go wrong. The chances of Seinfeld being injured were tiny, but the fact that something could happen or the fact that something might go wrong certainly raised the tension and the interest. So the lesson here is that it's not to take the photo afterwards where everyone's happiness is all done, but take it during the action. For example, say you've got a promotion for a bakery shop showing a stressed baker trying to bake 10 cakes in 10 minutes for a local record is a lot more interesting than a photo taken after the cakes are out on the table. You know, people like the action shot, just like with Jerry. A second example from Khan is from 2004. Now, let's pick one which I think is a really tacky example of a Khan PR stunt. And this was from 2004. Will Smith and Angelina Jolie were in involved this time. And they arrived on this large inflatable shark and they were dragged along the shoreline with life jackets on. And the name of the movie was written on the shark's back, but it just looked awful. It failed in so many respects. If you look at the pictures online of this, the photos looked cheap for starters. The shark looked like it had been borrowed from a local swimming pool. Didn't give any sense of the movie's tone. You wouldn't have known it was from an animated movie even. The only reason I think it was shared is because the photo had movie stars in it. Now, if your organisation doesn't have any movie stars in it, then cheap-looking stunts obviously are never going to work. It reminded me, actually, of an example a few years ago. A sponsor of a riverboat race had their branding on a boat that was going to be taking part on the main day, but it would have been lost on that day, right? So they ran the race the week before as a, in quotes, test and provided photos and a build-up to it, and with just one boat taking part, that was the boat that was photographed. So going back to Will's stunt, I think the problem with this also is that it was boring. A group of people turning up to a radio station I was working at dressed in animal costumes. I was like, okay, well, why? And I, I don't remember what it was about. I think it was some promotional drink or something. But it was just a group of young people who'd been sent by the PR firm who were behind that idea. They didn't know what to say. Why were we ever going to put them on the radio? And sure enough, they didn't get past reception. Let's at least finish off with a good one then. In 2014, I think it was, it was a World War II tank that turned up at the film festival. And this was for the stars of the action film, The Expendables 3. They were all on board this tank. Again, it checks off all the boxes. The pictures were quirky, the tank stood out. Probably not a good thing to do in these times of global conflict at the moment, but you get the point of what was going on, and the tone was portrayed really well. It was an action movie. If you're wondering the other example I was talking about where the stars got into a fight, then I'm going to leave this as a teaser for this week. The Public Relations Podcast and Newsletter. If you want to get the newsletter, I've got the details in there. Plus all the tutorials, the step-by-steps and the key takeaways from all these lessons I talk about in the podcast as well. And you can get that by going to the website, thepublicrelationspodcast.com, thepublicrelationspodcast.com. Got two more things to talk about today, all about launch events because... There are a bunch of those going on down the road at the moment. In fact, I was talking to a chef earlier today, actually, who is involved in a lot of these events. If you don't know the Cannes Film Festival, so it's basically a collection of the, the movie industry that comes over to the south of France for uh, 10 days, it is. And they have everything from the actual award ceremony where they, they judge films but there's a lot of parties, a lot of industry events that are going on at the same time because you've got all these people at the same place. It's like having a, a conference. But it's a beautiful place, so they hire out these villas with gorgeous views and they have spectacular French food. And as I say, we were talking to the chef who works at these villas and she was saying that they're just 
some of the most lavish, expensive places that get hired out for these parties, then they have to cater for anything from, sometimes she said they can be quite small, sort of 15 people, but all the way up to a couple of hundred people. And they uh, bring in the local staff to, to manage that and provide really top, top-notch food. And of course, plenty of French wine as well. So sadly, I haven't been invited to one of those, uh, maybe in a future year. But it's certainly interesting talking to the people around here about the impact it has on the town. Right, let's talk about launch events, though, because that's far more useful for everyone listening to this podcast. You know, Khan, as I say, is full of launch parties, even those that aren't part of the official event. They're just going on everywhere, not just even in the main town of Khan as well. You know, the champagne is flowing, the beautiful people are mingling, a few short speeches are made, and then you know what happens after this. You go along to these things... You hear the speeches, you start drinking, and then you forget completely why you're even there. I think anyone that listens to this podcast has probably been to plenty of launch events in their life. And if you're honest with yourself, do you often remember next morning why you went to that party? You probably don't. Now, if you have a Hollywood star turning up to your parties, then I'm sure this will certainly delight your clients if you're bringing them along as well and look great in your organization's photo album. But do they actually achieve anything these champagne receptions you know so can we do better than hollywood i personally think that events that provide experiences are far better and it was interesting because i attended an event the other night which was the launch of an events business post-covid industry report so how the events industry is is uh, recovering after covid in the united states and they agreed in this report that people are now looking for return on investment of these launch events. So launch parties are in decline, but launch experiences and things that really do achieve a result are on the climb. So here's a few ideas. First of all, don't just go and get a lavish venue and fill it with lots of great wine. Get a small venue. Make it accessible, but the experience is far more important than the expensive venue. Dress it well with your brand and product. It doesn't have to be you know, right in the center of a city. It can be somewhere further out. As long as people can get to it, it's better to spend less on the venue and provide an amazing experience that people will talk about for ages. Then invite the influencers, the bloggers, the podcasters, the premium newsletter writers, etc., etc., and tell them that this is going to be an event to remember because of a unique experience. Point out you're going to give them all the photos, the interviews, whatever they need to create their content. In other words, you are going to make it worthwhile. And I'm talking about these people as well, like the influencers, bloggers, and podcasters, because the people that we ultimately want to get along to these are not just the general press who might mention it, might mention it in passing, or might give a quick sort of fleeting glance to it. We want the people that have got a genuine connection with the people we're trying to reach. And remember also when I say influencers, I'm not talking about, you know, if you're in the steel industry, I'm not talking about some teenage fashion blogger. I'm talking about people that are influencers within that industry. So what do they do? If they're putting out tweets, what can you do to help them create those tweets? If they're putting out Instagram accounts, pictures what can you do to help them create those pictures now at the event don't just hand out wine and let them mingle as i say get them involved with the product the most easy way to explain this is with an obvious one so that's the makeup industry right so don't leave a few products around the room to try and get them to play with the makeup or look at some products get a makeup artist in 
give the guests a makeover. Of course they're going to be taking photos of themselves, of that kind of thing, and sharing it. And you're not even going to have to pay them to put those pictures online. They're going to be doing it anyway. Now, if you're not in makeup, and you sell, say, investment properties, do some investing live. Get some experts in there and actually get online and go and do some investing. Make it actually happen. If you are at the Steelworks, then do it at the Steelworks. Don't do it at some hotel down the road. Do it somewhere where you've got some amazing photos of machinery and stuff like that. So again, think about your photos, just like we were talking about with stunts a little bit earlier. You can set up so much of this stuff in advance. Give them visually stunning backgrounds that is going to make them want to share those pictures without you having to even pay them anything to do that. So what if you do something that doesn't have a physical product or physical something physical that you can do? Well, you can still create an experience. Obviously, you can dress the venue that you're at, but also you can do it really simply if you think about it. I was talking to some event organizers the other day who brought in two successful self-made businesswomen to not just do a panel discussion that everyone there would then have to pick bits and pieces out, but then to provide one-on-one -on -one interviews afterwards as well. You know, every journalist ultimately wants to ask their own questions, even if it's identical to the other journalists there. So providing one-on-ones, even if it's boring for the, the people who are doing this experience or doing the interviews, is a lot better way of making sure that you get coverage because who's going to do a one-on-one -on -one interview and then not use it? So get along some really good case studies and let them be interviewed one-on-one -on -one and in a panel format. Now, while all these ideas may not be can film festival parties, the bubbly may not be as flowing in the venue, may not be a multi-million dollar villa in the south of France, the new era of launch parties could be a lot more effective. And that's the point. Taking a leaf perhaps out of Disney's book rather than the Hollywood Hills. In the newsletter, I've got a rundown plus a few extra ideas as well of all those key points. So if you are on the train at the moment or if you're, if you're washing the car or something like that um, or if you're running to the next meeting, then you can get all the details in the newsletter at thepublicrelationspodcast.com. Got one final story. And the headline of this one for me when I wrote this down was when your celebrity goes bad. I'm talking about Hollywood celebrities, but I'm also talking about our organisations when things go wrong. This goes back to what we were talking about with Crisis PR just a few weeks back as well. So let me put it like this. Look, your organisation has messed up. You imagine that, okay? And the press are banging at the door for a statement and you're saying nothing. Is that the right move to do? Is it right to say nothing? If we tie this back to the Cannes Film Festival and Will Smith, it's pretty obvious right now that his PR team are telling him to lock down, batten down the hatches, lock down the hatches, and avoid everyone. But the showbiz media, not surprisingly, are not happy. Variety, the entertainment industry newspaper that I'm sure you've heard of, certainly are not happy about this. They recently had an article where they called for Will Smith to talk and suggested that staying quiet was actually just making things worse for him. Personally, I think they're wrong, and his PRs are right. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you've been living under a rock for a while, you'll know that Will Smith slacked Chris Rock at the Oscars, the result was that he resigned from the Academy and multiple projects were put on hold. Now, Variety argued that the news cycle is fast and therefore people keep talking about this incident. And if he doesn't speak up, they say it does more harm than good, as I say. So what would you do if, if your organisation was Will Smith and it had messed up, should you talk? There was an interesting development when it was reported, I think it was in People magazine, that Will Smith was in India for some reflection and others say he's in rehab. Now, it's a good PR move to do this. Releasing, or in quotes, leaking at times, tiny bits of information 
can really help to gain control of the narrative because while journalists are hungry for information, when so little comes out, all they can do is report what was said. If you release a whole load of stuff, they can pick and choose the bits they like. But if you're only releasing tiny morsels, that's all they can do. And then they can speculate as much as they like with, you know, he could be or he should be doing this stories. But ultimately, these get boring because they're not based on fact. And his team knows that. So by releasing these tiny bits of information, that is what everyone focuses on. It's the few tangible things that they've got. So then the speculation starts, of course, it keeps going, but it focuses around that snippet. What does it mean? What, where is he? What's he going through at the moment? But it helps to move the narrative on. So as much as Variety would love an interview, he simply doesn't need to do it yet. The media are going to wait, admittedly impatiently, but they are going to wait for him to come back. And that's where he has the control. So he sets also the narrative by taking time. You know, if he'd said next day after the Oscars that he'd resolved everything, he was a bit sorry about it and just wish it would be brushed under the carpet, there's no way it would have been. The focus would have been on the incident and his remorse and why he was a bad person. Is he ruined? Is it all over? But as time passes, this narrative starts to change because people start to wonder, well, what is he doing? People wonder when there's a silence, when there's a vacuum, they wonder what's going on with it. You know, what, what are the experiences like he's going through right now? What journey has he been undertaking? What has he been doing? Silence breeds that curiosity. And there are only so many column inches in a newspaper or magazine and only so much airtime. So when he finally talks, the aim is going to be to fill as much of that as possible with the redemption story, not the incident that sparked it. You think about the sequence of, of events, okay? So we've got the apology at first, which he did in quite a simple way, although it did feel a bit trite, and I'm not sure he pulled that off quite as well as he could. Then he takes time to repair, both publicly, by disappearing, and in reality, so genuinely going and fixing things. And then he comes back with a story of repair and redemption, explaining how things are changing, how he let people down, and how he's on the road to recovery, and what he's doing now. And then you go quiet again and reassess as the narrative settles again. So how can we apply this to our organisations? Well, I think there's quite a few ways. Again, I've run down through the key parts of that within the newsletter, but it's basically a pattern of that again. It's about admitting what we did wrong and then going quiet, fixing that, then coming back with a resolution and the redemption story. As I say, all the details in the newsletter this week at thepublicrelationspodcast.com, thepublicrelationspodcast.com. It is absolutely beautiful here, by the way. Right, we've got a couple of diary dates just to finish off today and first of all it's the 21st of june the hashtag is international yoga day so for any kind of spirituality or well-being business or organization if you're involved in that it's obviously a great opportunity to talk about that ideas i've seen in the past include photos of the whole office doing yoga in their seats articles on how yoga has improved productivity in the organization how about getting a yoga expert into your office and live streaming it for customers or followers so that's hashtag international yoga day and that's on the 21st of june then the 24th of June, I mentioned this earlier, take your dog to work day. This day was originally set up by a pet sitting company, but it's remained popular. The idea is as simple as it sounds. I've seen people sharing pictures of cute dogs in offices on social media, sitting on desks, dogs with glasses on in the boardroom. You know, the photos are great for social media. They're very clickbaity, obviously. Even remote workers could be holding up their dogs to the camera. So if you want to humanize your organization and show that you're like your customers or the people that follow you in your organization. How about bringing the dog to work day? It's hashtag take your dog to work day. It's a bit of a long hashtag to be honest, but 
but take your dog to work day. Right, as always, if you're in these places, 3rd and 4th of June, I'm going to be in Porto in Portugal. It's going to be in Athens in Greece, 27th of June to the 1st of July. And I'm going to be in Melbourne, Australia from late September. I would love to meet up. Let's have a coffee. Let's talk about what you do in PR or your ideas or your challenges. It would be fantastic to learn what you are doing. There's no agenda. There's no need for any agenda. I'm just interested in connecting with people that listen to this show and finding out what you need from the show as well and some of the ideas I can share with listeners too. Next time, I've got an exciting couple of episodes coming up actually on the Public Relations Podcast and Newsletter. Next week, how can your website do its own PR? Now, it's not completely hands-off all this stuff, but I've got a bunch of ideas because I've been quite heavily involved in the WordPress world for a few years. And I've got a bunch of ideas about how you can do that. And then the week after that, I'm going to be testing out these influencer techniques as well, which we talked about previously with Trini Woodall and how she applies those and seeing if I can apply that as well when I go and do that talk in Porto at uh, that big event about WordPress. So loads coming up. As always, let me know how you're doing. Have a fantastic week. Let me know how things go and I will speak to you very soon.